electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money starts right now. I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders tonight, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Brian Kelly. Coming up on Fast, the big battle over the banks. The chartmaster says it is time to sell, but that's not what you heard on this very show just 24 hours ago. So who is getting it right? We'll debate that. Plus, a Tesla takedown by the CEO himself. What Elon Musk tweeted today that sent shares skidding. And later, BK says Bitcoin's about to break out big time. How he is positioning himself for the crypto comeback. But we start off with today's market sell-off. Wall Street wiping out its gains for the week as tech tumbles and tariff talks tank stocks. Say that 20 times fast. The Russell 2000 handing in its worst day in a month. But this is the chart that had us all scratching our collective heads. Bonds barely budged. So, BK, we go to you. What is behind, do you think, this market conundrum? No, it's a little strange. You would think with the Fed buying, and yeah, they reduced their buying a bit, but the Fed buying... The market, the Dow down 600, uh, not much inflation out there. You would think that bonds would be absolutely flying, and they're not. So what do we know? We know that Treasury bonds are owned by a lot of sovereign states. You look at something like Saudi Arabia. You look at Japan. You look at China. Perhaps they need uh, capital. A lot, you know, a lot has to do with the oil decline. Perhaps it's um, investors getting a bit spooked that the U.S. has to raise an awful lot of debt and the only buyer out there is going to be the Federal Reserve. But it's really strange. It was the one thing that stuck out to me today because I wanted to buy bonds. I thought with, with German bonds and the yields there at negative, then U.S. bonds should probably be close to zero percent, yet they didn't move. We also have this uh, other dynamic now in the market, Guy, uh, that perhaps there will be additional tariffs on China, that the trade war, um, that those sorts of frictions between the U.S. and China will intensify because of what Trump believes is the connection between coronavirus and China. Do you think that that played into this at all? 100 percent, without question. I think that was a big reason uh, we saw the market sort of wane yesterday. I think that had a lot to do with today, and along with a lot of other things. I agree with everything Brian said. Here's the one pushback, and I want to give credit to Sarah Eisen, but I noticed this as well. I mean, you're seeing the beginnings of, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but the beginnings of food inflation, which is something that really should concern a lot of people out there. So although, uh, you know, the Fed is, is, is quick to say that inflation is a concern, I would be as quick to say is it would be a concern if you measure it correctly, number one. And the, the rise in food prices over the last couple of weeks is something we absolutely should be watching in the context of the market and what it means. I totally get that. And, and in the context of the consumer that may be out of work, food inflation is being felt very sharply at the same time from a, a Fed perspective. Tim, I mean, food inflation, isn't this sort of a, a transitory sort of thing because of supply chain disruptions, et cetera. So do you sort of put that aside and say this is a temporary um, blip of food inflation? Yeah, look, the, the Fed's measure of inflation is something that baffles me, frankly, um, but it's usually stripping out food and energy as, as part of it. Um, and, and just to speak to more about why bonds are pinned here, 
Uh, I think some of this also has to do with all the credit issuance. And so if you're a buyer of, of, of you know, 10 year uh, issuance of which we had record numbers come out in the last two weeks uh, of certainly in the high grade, you're going to be selling uh, the underlying treasury against buying the spread product. So uh, I think that has something to do with actually putting some upward pressure on bond yields against what might be otherwise uh, really an environment that should have people uh, wanting the risk on trade. So I, I think looking at the, the long end of the treasury curve right now, Mm -hmm. and, and trying to find fundamentals is very, very difficult because you could also make an argument that the minute we start to see any kind of follow through that the market, at least on the equity side, has started to look rightly or wrongly in the last month, certainly bought to the fact that uh, the Fed and the government have thrown so much at this equity market that the minute you start to see any follow through on the economy, you could see bond yields move. I, I, I don't know why you'd be chasing bond yields a whole lot lower here, despite the fact that I don't think we're in a great environment for the economy. Grasso, your take on the sell-off. I think we're having trouble with his audio, obviously. Um, but, Guy, if I go back to you, I mean, in terms of the markets pricing in, uh, what they're hoping for in the future. We, we got a headline this afternoon that Gilead's remdesivir has gotten emergency FDA authorization and that the first vials of, of this drug will be delivered to hospitals as soon as Monday, according to the vice president. At the same time, we have these, this chart that was tweeted out by Dr. Scott Gottlieb, and I'm not sure if you caught that, the former FDA commissioner, saying that effectively if you strip out the hospitalizations in the New York area and you take a look at hospitalizations nationwide over the past month, they have actually been rising, which tells us that, that perhaps we as a nation have not seen the worst when it comes to the impact of this virus. And obviously that's not the case. You know, I hope we have seen the worst, obviously. Everything I'm, you know, in that front is, is an obvious thing to say. But with that said, you know, remdesivir isn't a vaccine. It's a treatment, right? I mean, so there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. And again, I'm not a physician. I'm not a virologist. Can't even say it. Uh, but, you know, again, I think, the mar you know, <laughs> if that's the only thing that the market was relying on, then I'd be like, OK, maybe there's some upside. I think there's so many other things at work here, not least of which some of the things that Tim talked about in terms of negative rates. So and I think this rhetoric now with the United States and potentially China is only, in my opinion, going to intensify. So, you know, we might be solving one health problem. I hope we obviously do. But we might be walking into another one entirely. I see heads nodding. And by the way, Grasso will join us when we get his shot uh, back up. But um, Brian Kelly, do you, do you think that we're in for a very rough ride when it comes to the markets? Because even if we think that we are um, past the worst of the virus impact, that China is a whole other dimension that we haven't yeah. really fully factored in. Right. So let's let's also remember that what we started with here was twin crises. We had an oil price war coupled with a health crisis that quickly morphed into an economic crisis. Now, if you ladle on top of that tariffs and the potential for hostilities, whether they be financial hostilities or something worse, that's not really a great environment for stocks. So unfortunately, I'm not that bullish. I mean, the market off today, I, I, you don't need tariffs in this environment. You absolutely do not need tariffs environment. I understand that there, you need somebody to blame for what's going on. I, you know, but I don't think this is the right way to go about it, at least when it comes in, in, uh, in terms of the market. This is not a very good economically sound move. Uh, we got Grasso back. So your take on the sell-off, Grasso. <laughs> so 
if you look at the historic April that we did have, you know, everyone has that old jargon about May. But what happens if you buy in May and you stay? That would upset the most amount of people at any given time. And that's usually what the market does. It upsets the most at any one time. So although I don't think that you could sell off the market maybe in the next two weeks or so, I think you're going to get your chance when the market, when the economy starts up, doesn't start up as, as quick as everyone would like it to start up. But I think you're going to have a tough time selling this market off until the economy gets back to work and fails. All right. Moving on here, the financials, one of the sectors falling hard in today's sell-off. And the chart master says it is time to bail on the banks. Let's get to Cornerstone Macro's Carter Braxtonworth with more on this. Hey, Carter. How are you? Well, there, there's so many problems, but uh, I've got three charts. Before we get to it, what we know is, you know, down 28% as a sector, the financials, versus the market 12 year to date. One, the two, real problem three, four, is five. if you sell off during the sell-off more, which is what it did, right? The financials drop 35%, 42% versus the 35% of the SP. But you should get a better rebound. So if you look at materials, industrials, energy, they all rebounded over the last month and a half much more than the market. With cyclicality and beta, you should have gotten that from financials. You did not. In any event, that is one of the problems. Three charts. The first is a long-term chart. And the real tragedy, of course, is that the S&P 500 uh, sector in its totality never could get above its 2007 peak. And you can see that there clearly. So it's a well-defined break in trend and a perfect double top. Now, what's also at issue is relative performance. The second chart is the same. It's a two-panel chart. And you can see it's, uh, again, the financial sector on top. But it's the relative performance of the S&P. We are right now flirting with, for the entire sector, breaching the 09 relative low. We know banks themselves regional and large, have undercut the 09 low. But the sector has obviously big names like American Express and CME and Berkshire. But what I think is about to happen is that this ult will make a new low, and that's a problem. Finally, look at XLF, just the vehicle that you can trade. Uh, Well-defined minor tops there at that 24 level. Uh, a failure, a pretty dramatic one, precisely at that level. We're down now just in the last three days, 7.5% 7, 7 from peak to the low of today. Again, more than the market. So you have this unhappy circumstance of going down more than the market during the plunge, 44 versus 35, not bouncing more than the market on the bounce, and now again going down more than the market when the market goes down. That is not a good setup. All right. Carter, thanks. We'll see you on OA in just a few minutes. Uh, so Chartmaster says sell the banks. But if you caught yesterday's show, you will remember Bank of America's Savita Supermanian said banks are an all-time buy. When I look at financials, I think, okay, great. This is a sector that's probably going to recover faster than others in an upturn. It's also priced um, relatively conservatively. It still looks relatively cheap versus other areas of the market. Um, and then when you think about quality, it's got quality, it's got income potential. And then the kicker, and the reason I'm bringing it up on fast money from a trading perspective, is that it is deeply underweight by investors. So who do you think is getting it right, Tim? Well, you know, Carter's long-term charts are hard to argue with in terms of how financials have performed over a long period of time. Um, but I would also say uh, financials over the last three weeks have massively 
outperformed the S&P. So while that bounce hasn't exceeded the S&P on the way up here, it has uh, as we've started to get some insight into their balance sheets and as we've gotten into earnings season. So Savita's point is also market positioning and, and where people are positioned. Something is not right here. We've said this. Karen says this. I've said this. If you look at banks relative to the market, um, one is not uh, consistent with the other. I actually think banks have more room to close on the market. In other words, uh, I would be a buyer of banks relative to the market uh, in the environment we have today. I think we're all mm. talking about macro that's not great, but as sector-wise, uh, I can own banks here. Steve, what do you say? Who's right? Yeah, I think Carter's right. If you look at these charts, there it's undeniable. These, these double, triple tops. This is where the XLF topped out in 07 and 18 and in 19. And if you look at them now, they look like they can drop on an XLF basis another 15% lower from here. And those are all your large money center banks. I would go with the investment managers if you want to be exposed to financials with a BlackRock versus going with a money center bank. It doesn't look very hopeful in the near term. Guy. You remember in The Running Man when Richard Dawson asked the woman in the crowd to pick her favorite stalker and she couldn't do it? She was having such trouble doing it because she liked them all. Is That's that what a movie I found or myself something? here. Is that... Yeah, you should, maybe you should Google it or, or get on the Netflix. <laughs> Excellent movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. At any rate, uh, I, I tend to favor Savita here only because I think, you know, banks aren't going to be the problem this time. So I get what CBW is saying, and I love Carter's work, but. You know, J.P. Morgan, you know, with a tangible book, at least the way they measured it, 62, given where it's trading now, I think it's value here. So I'm with Savita from yesterday. Quick, BK, your thoughts? Uh, I think you, when you sell these banks, you sell them. When you're done with that, you sell them again. That's what I think. These banks are going lower. All right. I wonder what you really feel. Uh, <laughs> coming up, a Tesla takedown, the five words that Elon Musk tweeted today that sank the stock and raised a lot of eyebrows. And later, YBK says the countdown's on to what could be another Bitcoin breakout, what he is watching when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Elon Musk is back at it. The Tesla CEO tweeting today, Tesla stock price is too high, IMO, in my opinion. And that tweet, no surprise, sank the stock and raised a lot of eyebrows. Let's get to Phil about with the fallout. Phil, you got to wonder if the eyebrows over at the SEC are raised right now. Well, we reached out to them and they declined to comment today. They rarely comment immediately after something like this happens if there is an issue. So they could come back down the road and say something. But again, let's take a look at that tweet. And when it was sent out, I think it was like 11 a.m., somewhere around there. Shortly after that, the stock tanked. He wrote, Tesla stock price is too high, IMO in my opinion, and that made people say, well, geez, how much market cap have you wiped out? My producer, Megan Reeder, did a calculation here, wiped out about $13 billion worth of uh, market capitalization. Tesla itself is not commenting on the tweet from Elon Musk. So there were a lot of people earlier in the day, Melissa, who were saying, well, clearly his account, was, his Twitter account was hacked. Look, if it was hacked, we would have heard about it from Elon Musk and Tesla. By the way, 
Musk and the SEC, remember back in 2018, they reached a settlement regarding his tweets, any financial communications. They are supposed to be approved by a committee at Tesla. But there's broad interpretation there in terms of what's a financial communication uh, and what he can or cannot say. So, guys, again, I think everybody is looking at this and they're saying, why did he say this? And we still have no answers. I think that if there's any question as to whether or not this is a financial communication, I mean, I think you're nuts, right? I mean, he's saying that the stock is is priced too high at that point. I mean, putting aside all the tweets that he sent surrounding this tweet and after this tweet about selling yep. all his possessions and, oh, you know, yeah. this there's and that. There's a slew of them. That, whatever. Star-spangled banner was exactly. in there. Exactly. Yeah. He, can, he can say all that. That has no impact. If I'm a shareholder, I don't care. But if you're going to come out and say my stock that I own is too high, that's harm to the shareholders. And that specifically is what the SEC had issue with the first time around. When exactly. They, when they had a settlement with him, right? And that's why they were supposed to set up this committee that is in place, that is supposed to be the one that signs off on any of his financial communications. So more questions than answers, which is not uh, surprising when it comes to what Elon Musk is tweeting out. Got to leave it to Elon. Phil, thank you. <laughs> you bet. Phil LeBeau in Chicago. Specifically, this is what the SEC said in their press release. Um, the resolution is intended to prevent further market disruption and harm to Tesla's shareholders. That's according to the SEC release, September 29th, 2018. Harm to shareholders would seem to me to be down 10 percent on the back of a tweet. BK, what do you say? Yeah, I think cabin fever seems to be getting to, to Elon Musk. I don't understand the upside here. You know, the SEC is generally trying to prevent people from pumping up their stock. I, I don't know. Maybe he's being antagonistic, but there's no upside to this. And, and I think it does call into a little bit of question what's going on with him. Um, and I wouldn't be a buyer of Tesla here. Guy, what would you say? I'd say the thing that I, I mean, uh, other than the obvious, I didn't know he lived in Gene Wilder's house. And it got me thinking about my favorite Gene Wilder movies, which is clearly Young Frankenstein. Oh. What was yours? Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, Willy Wonka is uh, no question. Willy Wonka is up there. I mean, if you know, we could go we could run the whole thing if you want. We could finish the show with this. With that said, I mean, the board of directors, I, I, you have to sit the man down at some point, and, you know, give a cease and desist. I mean, because his Twitter account I mean, you should own Twitter just on the back of what Elon Musk is putting out there. It's, it's priceless stuff. And then on Monday, if he says, you know what, it was too high on Friday, but it's perfect now, what happens then? I mean, I, I, I really just don't get it. Clearly, I don't get it. Steve Grasso. Yeah, I think BK brings up a really important point on this, that the SEC is usually uh, involved or gets concerned when somebody pumps up their stock. So... I don't know if they, if they do anything in this, in this uh, uh, scenario, but as Phil said, he lost $13 billion the last time he got fined. He got fined $40 million from the SEC. I don't think he cares. But to make it tradable, support in the stock is around the 650 level, and resistance is 767. That's the last place where they raise money. It's a trading vehicle right now. It is ironic that the SEC would get in if somebody's pumping up the stock, but if somebody talks down a stock and that's actually causing harm and loss to shareholders, they may not even step in. I don't know. That's an aside. Coming up, a crypto comeback. Why BK says a Bitcoin breakout is just on the horizon. Plus, shares of Canopy Growth rocketing higher in the after hours. We'll tell you what has got this pot stock popping. Stay with us. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. 
Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Canopy Growth popping in the after hours on news. Constellation Brands is upping its stake in the cannabis company to 38%. Tim, what do you think? Well, Bill Newlands at Constellation pointed out, and I think he's quoted something along the lines of there's the long term opportunity here is is outstanding and it's exciting. And this is something that they jumped in early. They actually uh, the intrinsic value in these warrants was they, they were very much in the money for the company. So it was a smart financial move. But the the endorsement, it's very clear. And, and you've seen this even in the last six to nine months as essentially Constellation is now running this company outright. They've brought in their own people. David Klein, the former CFO, is now running Canopy Growth. Uh, the the investment into TerraSend in the U.S. further uh, prepares them to be more positioned uh, in the, the biggest cannabis market in the country, in the world. So uh, I'm not surprised by this. Uh, there are many people that think despite some of the write downs in the assets and look, the entire sector has been under a lot of pressure. Valuations never made sense. But this is one of the most sophisticated consumer products companies in the world saying mm-hmm. we want to be in a very clear CPG industry. And that should be very strong endorsement for all investors. Steve Grassley, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you have to look, uh, you look at the other one that has a high profile partner in a, in a JV, uh, basic, not a JV, an actual real partner is Kronos. So the whole entire space has been under pressure. This morning we had negative headlines out of Tilray involving a class action lawsuit. This, this whole segment of the, uh, uh, is out on the risk curve and has been hit with headwinds. But I think this could be some of the signs of light. And this is a segment of the economy and a sector that should have a bunch of tailwinds behind it. And I think now is probably the time to be buying cannabis names. All right, let's switch gears here. Uh, check out Bitcoin surging more than 15 percent this week. Our very own crypto baller says another big breakout could be coming. So, uh, BK, how many days is it till the halving? It's about 11 days to the habit. And so uh, that, that, what that means, what people should know, is that you know, as the whole world is quantitative easing, Bitcoin's about to be quantitative hardening. So they're going to cut the daily supply, or the software is going to cut the daily supply. It doesn't mean that the price of Bitcoin is being cut in half. It just means that the daily supply is being cut in half. You might want to think about it like oil, where all of a sudden, in 11 days, half the oil rigs are turned off. And so therefore, that supply gets reduced. In the past, this has been a catalyst for 
very, 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 very big run-ups. We've had a tremendous run-up coming into this. It's got some wood to chop around 9,000. But I think in the medium to long term, you now have an asset that is going to be more scarce than gold based on the stock-to-flow ratio in an environment where the entire world is printing money. Why isn't this a sell-the-news event? It very well may be. I mean, if you look back at the last two, we've had quite a run-up. If you look back at the last two, it took about 30 to 60 days for this really to filter through the market. So you could have after this, remember, this is um, how the miners make their money is by those Bitcoin rewards. So some of the weaker miners might actually have to sell out. But 30 to 60 days from now, we could see a a nice run up again. Okay. Time for the final trade. Wow. That went fast. Right, Tim? What do you say? Right. Big discussion on banks tonight. I do think J.P. Morgan is cheap relative to itself and certainly the market here. Uh, I don't think banks are the center of the storm. Even if there is some market volatility ahead, I like J.P. Morgan. BK. Oh, you know, for me, if it's not Bitcoin, it's that shiny metal gold GDX. I think you buy the money. Steve. Apple. Apple was under pressure but turned green at one point today. I think you could wait to the 50-day moving average, 270, if you want to be patient, but Apple. Guy Dami, what was that movie you told me to watch? Well, you should watch Young Frankenstein. You should also <laughs> watch Blazing Saddles and then go right into Willy Wonka. It could be a Gene Wilder weekend for you, Melms. Maybe. I'm just saying. Final trade. Well, take a look at the way Allergan, AGN, has traded since bottoming out with the rest of the market very well, especially today. AGN into earnings. Looking forward to OA in a few minutes. All right. That's right. Don't go anywhere. OA is up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.